So I want you just in your, your mind for a few moments, I want you to form a couple of lists, right? And let's, let's rank some things in our mind. Maybe your top three or your top five in the following categories, right? So, so here you are. Most enjoyable things you do. These are things that make you happy. You really look forward to these things. I want you to take a moment in your mind. What would be your top three things? Don't say them out loud, but just kind of in your heart. Man, you really look forward to these things because you enjoy them. Got it? Second category, most interesting. Most interesting, things that capture your attention. I mean, you, you look at it, you watch it, you pay attention to it. You, you can't wait to see what comes next because it's just so captivating to you. What captures your attention? Top three things. What is most interesting to you? You invest time into it to investigate it because of its interest to you. Number three, most important most important, and I know we're all sitting in church like, well, Brian, church is most important. Well, it is today, right? But, but if we were to evaluate it, not by what we think we ought to say, but what determines your schedule? What determines your priorities? What, what is it that you put at the top three things of your list, and if there's time left over, four, five, six, and seven, you would do those things. So, so what in your life is most important? You got it? Category number four, most fulfilling. What is it you find in your life? You get the most out of it. It is life-altering to you. It's causing you to become a different kind of a person because of the growth that you are experiencing through those things. Top three, most enjoyable, most interesting, most important, and most fulfilling. So... If we were to publish the results of all of those polls, right? If we were to take everybody's answers and put them out in front of us, I think it, it would be safe to say that what we are doing right now may not be the most enjoyable. I would, I would say that what we're doing right now may not be the thing that's most interesting. It may not be the thing that you you spend more time in, that you grow from. It, if you put it up against other things, it, how, how much, I know my phone, it's like every Sunday morning, my phone tells me how much time I spent on my phone, right? So if you were to compare that against your time in the Word of God or your time preparing your heart for worship, what, what is it that is actually most interesting to us? What about most important I don't, I, it was this, the, I mean, this determines your week, man. I mean, everything else kind of fits around that. And how about most fulfilling? Most fulfilling. I would say, given those lists, I, I think this is also safe to say. I think every person in this room wants this time to be the most enjoyable to be the most interesting, to be the most fulfilling, and to be the most important. I think everybody in this room wants that. So the question is, 
What do we do when what we're hoping for just isn't there? It's not enjoyable enough. It's not interesting enough. It's not important enough. And it's not fulfilling enough, even though we wish that it was. So I want you to think about this. If God doesn't respond to what we're doing, the music is silly. I think, I think Linda's a great worship leader. I think she picks really good songs. But I want you to think about it. If God doesn't respond, what we're singing, is it's silly, y'all. It's silly. Right? There's, there's country music and rock music that, that would entice us in ways and provoke experiences and things that when those songs hit, man, you're really into it, right? It's, man, it's like, man, I'm jamming to that. I'm moving to that. But, but if God doesn't respond, we, just, we can hear these songs and we're just, it's just like, how long is this going to take, right? Y'all, if God doesn't respond, our prayers are nothing but positive thoughts in the wind. If, if he doesn't respond, we got to be asking, why, why are we spending so much time praying? If God doesn't respond, why are we going to get together this afternoon at 5 o'clock for a prayer meeting, right? Why, why are we going to do that, spend time devoting ourselves to prayer if God doesn't respond? If God doesn't respond, this communion time is just an empty ritual. It's just pop a piece of bread, drink a cup of juice because it's the first Sunday and that's what we do and it's cool and and it's, it's nice. But if, if in communion, there's no real communion with God, what's the point? It's weird. You can get way better food at Sierra's this afternoon than what's on that table. Those, those chips on that table are way better, for your or better to your body and your tongue than the ones on that table. So why? The baby dedication. Y'all see that? We have nine babies and parents that we're dedicating in the 11 o'clock service day. Nine. That's, that's really amazing. That's great. This room will be full at 11 o'clock with the families and different people that, that come for it. But if God doesn't respond to that, it's just, it's just cute. And it's nice pictures, but it's, does it really do anything for those children's lives or for those families if God doesn't respond? But if God does respond, if he does, when we sing, the songs are not silly, but his presence inhabits the praises of his people. If God does respond, the prayers are not just positive thoughts tossed into the airs, but they are us 
connecting with God and expecting and watching him to work. If God does respond, man, our faith is made manifest in in the things right in front of us. If God does respond, this communion is, is not just a real stale piece of bread and a and a little bitty cup of juice, but man, it is a time when you meet with the Lord, when you renew your commitment to him, you do what Jesus said, remember me, and you, man, you find the Lord in that. You renew your commitment. You remember your salvation. The baby dedication. If the Lord responds to that, it becomes life-altering. Because then those parents make it the priority. We have dedicated this child to the Lord and nothing else will get in the way of what we have done and that commitment we not only made before God, but also before God's people. Man, it becomes weighty if the Lord responds to it. You see the difference? Then all of this becomes compelling captivating, amazing, otherworldly if God responds. So the question is, what's the tipping point that moves all of this from a ritual in which we're really not sure why we keep doing this at all into something that we do and God responds? What's the What's the tipping point for that? The answer is in Isaiah chapter 1. Because the Lord lays out to them, he speaks into this. And he tells them why you're praying and I'm not responding. Why you're doing the ritual and it's just kind of empty. And the Lord basically looks at those people and says, you can keep doing this, but you're wasting your time and you're wasting my time. He says it right there, just that your prayers. I, I mean, I, I'm not, he, he says, your new moons and appointed feasts, Advent and Christmas and all that. He says, I hate it. I hate it. You go through the season, it's just, it means nothing to me. That's what the Lord is saying. He says, when you have come and appear before me, who's required of you this trampling? Why do you keep coming? That's what he's saying right there. Why do you keep doing this? He says, when, verse 15, when you spread out your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. He is telling them why he's not responding. And that ought to be disturbing to us. Because every single one of us have deep cries that come from our heart. Every single one of us. Desire to be loved. Man, we're crying out for love. Every single one of us want to be happy. You, you want to find something in your life, man, that and all the hard things that go on around us, man, there's got to be something that does make me encouraged and, and keeps me in it and it blesses me, right? Every single one of us want to relieve the pain and find pleasure. We all do. Every person wants pleasure. And every single person in this room wants meaning. You you want your life to matter. We all cry out for those things. 
And so as you cry out for those things, if God doesn't respond in here, what do you do? What, what do you go after to try to grab to, to help those cries of your heart? When a baby cries, right? If you, you've ever been around children, if you ever had children, there will, there's nothing that will move you to action like a crying baby, right? When you're in a restaurant and a baby starts crying, everybody turns around and looks. There's just something about a baby's cry that, that moves the heart. What do we got to do to stop the cry, right? That's, that's what we do, right? So, so I, need, I know all our kids are in here, so I need, I need some help. Who is a, a kid that would come up here and help me? Anybody? It's like, okay, come on up, up here. you right back there. Yeah, come on. You come and help me. You're going to love this. Don't knock candles down or I'll catch you on fire. And your hair, which is not good. All right, so tell her about your name. Abigail. Abigail. All right, Abigail, when you were a baby and you started crying, what, what did they give you? A pacifier. Do what? A pacifier. They gave you a pacifier, all right? So, Abigail... I'm, I'm going to give you a pacifier too, right? <laughs> so I, here's, what, here's what I want you to do before I give you this pacifier. I want you to say, my pastor, my pastor is, is a very good man. A very good man. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, so, okay, say it again. Let's make sure you got it. Say, my, my pastor is a my very good man. My pastor is a very good man. Say it again. My pastor is a very good man. All right. Say it again. My pastor is a very good man. All right. Well, that made it a little tougher, didn't it, right? <laughs> so, what if I gave you another one? All right, let's, let's try it. Can you get that one in there? Can we get two? She got a big enough mouth for this, right? All right, now say, my pastor is a very good man. My pastor is a very good man. <laughs> that, was, that was not bad. You're, you're hanging with it. That was not bad at all, right? You think we can go for three? Yeah. Uh, come on, hey, come on. Who thinks we can go for three? Abigail, right? All right, try, see if you can get that one in there. <laughs> it's like, you kind of look like a clown face right now, right? All right, see if you can say it. My pastor's a very good man. My pastor's a very good man. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. I got lots more. You want to try it? Here, let's try it. Let's see if we can get one right. Like, there you go. Like, now let's go on the top. Let's go on the top. It's all going to pop out. There you go. My pastor is a very good man. <laughs> they popped out. You, hey, you can take those with you. You can take those home and you can, your parents may want to use those with you later on today. Y'all give, give her a good hand. So did you see what happens, right? She, she's saying something, but as you, you fill those things with pacifiers, right? It, you, you can't get it out. So if you cry out for love and you cry out for meaning and you cry out to grow and to find something that's interesting and, and it changes you because none of us want our life to, to be stale. And listen, if we cry out for, 
some sort of experience that's otherworldly where the Lord would respond to this, you realize that you will fulfill those cries with something because you won't just keep crying. It's just like with a baby. I want you to think about this. When you feel all those things, and I'm not going to name anything because as soon as I start naming things, people are like, Man, I can't believe you're picking on that, right? But I want you to think about what was on your list and all those things as pacifiers that you put into your cries. The most enjoyable things. The most interesting things. The most fulfilling things. The most important things. What all is in there that just helps you to numb the pain and stop the crying. Whenever we use this, even this right here, as one of these, it won't work. If you're just doing this on Sunday, if you're doing this on Wednesday and you're just trying to stuff it in everything else because you know you're supposed to be doing it, right? And it's important, but, but you don't really know why. It, all it's going to do is just make it really more indistinguishable what you're trying to say and what you're really looking for. So what's the tipping point that gets God to respond? It's right there. Verse 16, wash yourselves. See, they're, they're going through all these rituals and all these things. But he says, wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil from the deeds before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. And then you got to love this, especially as we're talking about prayer. God invites us into a conversation. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Here's what's really interesting about those words, let us reason together, says the Lord. That's the most unritualistic religious thing in the entire passage. That is not do more church. Give more, serve more. See, that's, that's what we always want to do in, in response to something like this. We just, okay, man, I know I need to be doing more. I need to be serving more. I need to be coming more. All we're doing when we take on that mentality is we're taking all of this and we're just stuffing our cries with more pacifiers. I'm serving more. I'm praying more. I'm coming more. But the Lord is not responding. So what's the problem? He asks you to do a very unreligious thing when he says, come let us reason together. If you look at the Hebrew of that passage, you may even have a note in your Bible. Mine has a little mark and it says dispute. Does yours say that? You know what the Lord is inviting you to do? To meet with him and argue it out. Wow. He's inviting you into a conversation. Let's talk about it. 
What is it that's frustrating to you? What is it that's going on in your life? What is it that you're looking for? What is it that, that, is, that you can't find? He says, let us reason together, says the Lord. If all we're doing is just starting a service in prayer, but we're not having a conversation with God, we're, we're missing what he responds to. If all we're doing in communion is going through a ritual, but we're not meeting with the Lord, we're missing the invitation, and he won't respond to that. If we go through our week, but we never sit down with God and we reason it out with him, we're missing the future he has for us. He invites you into an ugly, back-and-forth conversation about who he is and about who, who you are and about where you are and about where he is. He invites you to constantly sit down with him, reason together, says the Lord. And what's the result of that? What's the result of it? Though your sins are like scarlet, they'll be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become wool. He will not condemn you. He will not leave you. He will not crush you. Man, he has died for you. He has made a way for you that you and I as a sinner can sit in the holy presence of God and talk it out without pacifiers. But you realize the longer we have all these things in our life, in our mouth, in our face, we'll always use these words. I don't have time to pray, to read, to be there, to, right? This is killing us for missing what we really need God to do, and that is to respond. And so he imagines this amazing future for us. I love it. He says, if you're willing and obedient, verse 19, you shall eat the good of the land. Imagine how many things in your life that all of a sudden become most interesting. All the things in your life that all of a sudden become most important. All of a sudden become most enjoyable. Man, isn't that what you want of everything is just to eat the good of the land? in your family, in your business, in your life, in your church. Man, don't you want what's good, right? Yeah. He says, if you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. And y'all, I want to tell you, I, the Lord has been ministering his word to me so much over these last two or three years, but really intensely over these last two or three weeks showing me a future that he wants for this church. That is really good, y'all. A move of God amongst our men. A move of God in our families. Some of you have been praying for things in your family, in your life for years, and I believe God wants to give us some breakthroughs in those things. I believe God is about to take us into a different place that we are going to see a response to the gospel like we've never seen before. I was reading Isaiah 52 yesterday and the Lord was just showing me, man, look, I, I want to bring about a season. We, man, 104 people saved and baptized. Isn't that awesome? You ain't seen nothing yet of what God wants to do if he'd really move in his people. But we got to get the pacifiers out of our 
prize and bring them to him. Bring them to him. He's inviting you to that. But if you don't, if you refuse and rebel, you shall be eaten by the sword for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. I do not want that as my future. I don't. And I don't think you do either. I don't think any of us would, right? That sounds awful. To be eaten by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. What is the tipping point to get God to respond to what we've been so badly wanting him to do? Here's the tipping point. We've got to respond to what he's invited us to do. The future God has for us will not come about by programming. The power that God can pour out on us will not come about by programming. Listen, the presence that he wants us to experience in worship will not come about just because we hire a different worship leader or the music does this or the music does that or the children's ministry does this or the children's that That is not the key, y'all. That's, that's, man, it will all come about if we will respond to what God's telling us to do. Get the pacifiers, the rituals, you got heart cries. You can't deny them. But when we pacify them with everything else in the world except meeting with God, we forfeit a great future that he has for us. And so I want you to bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment. We're going to go into our communion time, so I want our guys to, to go ahead and get at the tables. And listen, I know that for some, this is kind of an awkward thing. It's like, man, coming up to the altar and hearing people pray and, and all that kind of stuff. But man, these are the things where God says, it's not just a ritual. I want to meet with you. I want to hear from you. And so, I, man, I, I would encourage you, those with the children, man, bring your kids, pray over them. You're like, hey, I, gosh, I, you know, I don't, I don't know what to say. Don't know. Just start, man. Just, just pray. God forgive you of sins. He would prosper your family. He'd meet your needs. It, he would give you guidance. All those things your family's crying out for. Talk to God about it. That's what he's encouraging you to do. And then after you do that, go to the tables. We'll take communion together. After that's over, I'll speak a word and then we'll be dismissed. But let's go to the Lord in prayer. Then the altars will be open. The tables will be open. You move those places. But I want to encourage you. Don't just do a ritual, but meet with God. He's inviting you to a meeting. Heavenly Father, God, we come before you, Lord, hearing your invitation to let us reason together with you, to, to lay out before you all those cries of our heart. God, cleanse us from our sin. Forgive us of our ritual. God, help us to learn to do good, to cease to do evil, to respond to what you're saying. Because, God, we want that incredible future that you've laid out for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together.